1: Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Here we go. Middle of the week, Wednesday afternoon on the eve of college football in the Magnolia State. This is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Hawaiian Haydad on a Wednesday and Michael Borkey, Thanks for being with us. Seaspire text line, as you well know, is open to you. 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Seaspire thinks you deserve a plan. That's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, forty-five dollars each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. dot Welcome to the Wednesday afternoon edition of the Large Radio Program. We are glad to have you along. Boys, what's up?
3: Oh, just the annual. Well, biannual. annual, I'll get them twice a year, sinus infection. Mm-hmm. I hear it. There's no hiding that one, Borky. No, nope. And before mm, you say terrible. anything, it's not the Rona. We've been tested in our house, but we gave it to the um, 10-month-old, and that's the you saddest. You gave Corona
2: to your 10-month-old? <laughs>
3: oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Um, it is the saddest, also cute in a weird way, thing that I've ever seen in my life. A 10-month-old baby sneezing because he's got sinus problems is so, so sad.
2: Yeah. I had somebody tell me the other day that uh, my three year old sounds like she's been smoking her entire life. <laughs> no, it was a compliment. He's like, oh, oh, oh. she has the cutest little husky voice. I was like, that's our Sarah Borellis in the making or, or
3: something like that. But uh said, so, no, it's like she's been uh, chiefing on Marble Red since she came out of the womb. That was something that uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but somebody here at Super Talk uh, told me. The day you guys first put me on air, which was a disaster looking back on it. Um that I need to spend the next 6 months doing nothing but smoking if I want to make it in radio. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but somebody here in the office told me that. And it's not just
2: smoking, it's smoking either unfiltered or Marlboro Reds and sometimes people will also say uh good stout whiskey to
3: go along with that can lend itself to one of those beautiful, husky, effortless radio voices. Never had a cigarette in my life don't plan to, but the whiskey thing I've been working on. (laughs) Hey, Dad, that would be a la the legend at Mississippi State,
0: right? Jack Crystal, yeah. Yes. As many cigarettes and as many whiskey drinks as he could fit in a day. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the cigarettes
2: uh, in the booth. I mean I think oh, that no, may have subsided a bit in the later years. A bit. in the later
0: years it certainly did, but there's no doubt back in the day he was never a, never a stranger to burn one mid game. And and like would that I think he,
2: I've heard that would even happen at basketball like years oh, ago. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah, you could see the if you sat in the student section you see the little plume of smoke coming yeah. from the uh from where he would sit. Yeah. Well,
2: and and he didn't sit courtside. side. The the no, no, broadcast he sat, he sat position yeah, broadcast yeah. position was like at the, the concourse level mm-hmm. at midcourt, and he mm-hmm. had a small lamp up there. So it got a little yeah. bit darker when you were that far away from the floor, so he'd sit up there with his lamp and his scorecards and call the game, and you would occasionally see uh, the waft of cigarette smoke yeah, uh, emanating uh, from uh, just beyond the microphone. So, yeah, pretty uh, pretty classic stuff. Hey, you realize we used to fly on airplanes, and people smoked on planes?
0: Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that now? Oh, oh. Well, I mean, people used to smoke in restaurants. I mean, I don't, I, it's weird for me when I go to a place now that st- that still does that. Yeah. I went, when I went no, to right. Memphis, I went to Memphis in January. The place we ate at had a smoking section, and we walk in and you're like, wow. "What is this?" You, know, you, you forget, you forget what that's like. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, Borky, I think probably by the time you were in college, it had changed. But it had when the 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 smoking ordinance in Oxford was in place. No restaurants, no bars, nothing.
3: Yeah, that that was not a thing when I was in school.
2: When I was, so I, my freshman year was fall of '99. And I mean, if you went out, wh- whether you were participating or partaking or whatever, you would get home <laughs> and you either took a shower before bed or you woke up the next morning and your pillow smelled like cigarette smoke. That's and whatever indeed. clothes you were wearing the night before just had this awful smell.
0: It was like, just. How do we listen in that my way. nostrils right now I can still smell it. You yeah, can still smell yeah. it. Yeah, just you'd, you'd wake up and you're like, what is oh, that's right. Like I got to do laundry right now. Right now. No uh
2: no question about that. Um thanks for being with us this afternoon. Pretty big college football no- news in uh, just the last little while. Jamie Newman, the anticipated starting quarterback at the University of Georgia has opted out. The release said due to COVID concerns, he is going to begin preparing for the 2021 NFL draft. Grad transfer from Wake Forest. Was he ever really a Georgia Bulldog if he never actually played a game?
0: Never lost to Florida.
3: That's true. That is Undefeated true. Undefeated as a starter there. That is uh, that is also I mean, true.
0: Buck Baloo. That's all you have got now. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, Newman is ranked number six by Todd McShay at his position, the latest positional rankings for the NFL draft. Um, Newman said, I would like to thank Coach Kirby Smart for extending the opportunity for me to be a part of the University of Georgia football program. Although t- my time here has been short, I've built some great relationships and I've had a chance to continue my development. He says, with much prayer and discussion with my family, I would like to announce that due to the uncertainties of this year amid a global pandemic, I will officially opt out of this football season to prepare for the upcoming NFL draft. Hmm. Somebody Does this, this have show. anything to do with JT Daniels coming in?
0: Somebody on this show said JT Daniels is going to win that job. I think it was me. Was that me? No, that was not. It was me.
3: But here's the thing. He has not been medically cleared to play. Now, there's a long time before the season, but... They'll they'll get him in. Not that long. (laughs) But right, not that long. and He has not been cleared for physical contact yet.
0: Hmm. They just have to block really good.
3: Well, you know, the way they've recruited. um, Just because kids love REM. Uh, They love R.E.M. for sure, and so that's why they go to to Georgia more than they want to go anywhere else.
0: That's that's, Uh, that's a good band.
3: But my question is, I've already seen people say, and and look, if he was going to win the job, then maybe he has improved from 2018 and his one start in 2019, but are are we forgetting, recruiting hype aside, JT Daniels, as a freshman, of course, um, not impressive and was not going to win his job back at Southern Cal. Well, it's a different animal at Georgia because you've got great players around you and stuff like that. Yeah. And Newman wasn't all that impressive at Wake Forest, although I've been tooting his horn for the better part of six months now. I thought he was going to be a really good player. He The potential's there, but that's all it is with both of these guys is just potential. Because from a production standpoint, neither one has shown you that they're Heisman Trophy contending national championship winning first round pick quarterbacks yet.
0: And in Daniel's case, you do have to give him a little slack, and that he wasn't a traditional freshman. He was a high school yeah. senior who played his fa- he didn't play his final year. He went straight to college, so it's not like you know he was your typical. He's only seventeen, so I mean I'm willing to give a little bit of, of a pass there. And, and like you said, George is loaded all around him. He'll be another Jake Fromm. The the question becomes is I guess we won't find out because Newman's going to the pros unless he really lights it up there. But do we have another Justin Fields situation? Should they just call Justin Fields? So just be like, hey, he was at practice last week. Time to come home. Time to come back. Um
2: Newman started sixteen games at Wake Forest in the last two years. Last year, sixty one percent completions, almost twenty nine hundred yards, twenty six touchdowns, eleven picks, five hundred and seventy four yards rushing, six touchdowns on the ground. So he was productive for Wake Forest a year ago. And uh Georgia, we'll miss you. We barely knew you. That is uh Jamie Newman. Making his way out the door. By the way, what's the best REM song?
0: Ooh, I got a. That's a big
2: catalog. Uh, <clears throat> that's great. It starts with an earthquake, no, birds and snakes and airplanes. Lenny Bruce is not a.
0: That's no? that's not my choice. No, that's not it. No, what about I'm Man thinking, on the Moon? I like Man on the Moon. I like I like Drive. I like uh, Orange. Francis, Crush.
2: my three year old, likes Man on the Moon.
0: What's the frequency? Kenneth would be one of my choices. Uh, I got a lot of options here. Shiny, you
2: Radio for people. Europe?
0: No, no, not for my favorite. No. Um,
2: everybody Hurts, Losing My Religion. Mm. Uh, Shoddy Happy
3: People would be my big, big catalog here.
2: You're right about that. Pretty darn good band. Oh, Pre- yeah. Pretty, pretty darn good.
3: Um, so, do you think JT Daniels is going to get uh, that tattoo of the Coliseum he has on his leg, like superimposed with Sanford Stadium, or, or what? Like, how do you fix something like that? Or you just cover it up with like a long sock?
0: I mean, Ruben Foster got the Auburn tattoo covered up. They can make it happen. Yeah.
2: Or just not worry about it. There's that too. Just roll with it. Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. This is getting started with you, Wednesday afternoon. We'll be right back. So we have a flag that is going to be on the ballot in Mississippi on November the 3rd. After more than 3,000 submissions to the Flag Commission, they narrowed it down to two, the new Magnolia flag and the Great River flag. In an informal online vote, the Magnolia flag got more votes than the Great River flag. 60-40, I believe, was the vote breakdown. And the Flag Commission voted 8-1 to today in favor of nominating the new Magnolia flag as uh, the one that will go on the ballot. And it would need a majority of Mississippians who vote to vote yes to adopt that as the new state flag. Think it'll
0: pass? No. Yeah,
3: I've maintained I don't think it'll pass. Although,
0: I think my vote will be they'll... yes. Yeah, because... the first one was destined to fail. Morky and I okay. agree on this.
3: Yeah. But my vote will be yes. I think it's, especially considering the process as well, that I would have preferred a different choice. I'm sure a lot of you would have preferred a different choice. But this one's fine, it accomplishes the goal. It is a state flag that bears no symbolism that is offensive to a large majority of people. And it's got a Magnolia flag, which is unique to the state. It's got stars that are unique to the state. It's, got, it's, it's fine. It functions like a state flag should, which is largely unremarkable. And that's okay. So I will vote in favor of it. But I, I still maintain that the way this is going to be decided... I think you will have a group of people that will be still mad about the process for the previous flag being taken down and will vote no regardless. And I do think you will have people that prefer a different design and will vote no because they'd rather their other design. But then that will lead us – I mean, we could be at this for years. So hopefully there will be people like me that will say, you know what, hey, this one's fine. It's what the committee chose. It works. It functions. It's fine. Yeah, let's get this over with but I'm afraid that you're going to have a combination of a lot of things that lead this thing not getting passed in November.
2: The flag was originally designed by a trio of people, Kara Giles, who lives in Oxford and has a graphic design background, uh, at one point owned a uh, uh, like a stationary paper store. Um, Sue Anna Joe, who I don't know anything about, and then Rocky Vaughn, who has done a bunch of sports mock ups? Um, Rocky has, I think, is a Mississippi State fan and has yes. done a bunch of cool uniform designs for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss and, and others. You know, just mock ups that he's put online, uh, has and, had fun he, with. Really talented guy.
0: Well, not only has he had fun with it, he designed the uh, snowball uniforms of Mississippi State wore in 2012. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay.
2: Gotcha. Uh, So those were the three that were the original designers of this flag. Tweaks were made to it by vexillologist, I think that's how you say that, Clay Moss. That's a flag person. And it was created to represent the forward progression of Mississippi with the magnolia symbolizing the state and the hospitality of our citizens. Few changes, including a bolded font and a slight change to the gold-yellow stripes, will be made. Uh, this is the uh, the flag that was, uh, it's got the Navy field in the middle with the kind of traditional magnolia bloom surrounded by stars, the words in God we trust at the bottom of the circle of stars. It's got the bigger gold star at the top that represents the uh, Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians and some of their heritage. The gold vertical stripes outside the field of blue in the middle and then vertical red, um, I don't know if you'd call it a stripe, but it's a, Wider section of the flag uh, on the outside on both of them. You've probably seen the design. Um, for for their part, the uh, the folks at uh, Old Try, which did the Great River Flag, uh, they tweeted out or maybe it was uh, on Instagram that was fun, and the U and fun was the crest that was in the middle of the um, the Great River Flag design. And who knows? I mean, listen, if if this one ends up not passing, that's my question. Yeah.
0: It, it, so if this doesn't pass, can we, we can we go back to the Great River?
3: Uh, maybe the committee reconvenes and makes uh, another decision, which okay. uh, again makes... would it be
2: the same committee or a different committee?
3: It w- all of uh, all of that question should be answered with it shouldn't be going down this way anyway. They, the current committee should have narrowed it down to three or two choices and it's the not yes committee or no. Should just have picked. It's pick or or that or they just pick one but just,
0: this is the flag.
3: Yeah. Okay. But in November just here's three choices or two choices and pick one instead of yes or no. Because again, we could be doing this yes or no thing for years. We if, could. If people keep saying no. So, here are the three options you know, pick one. If one doesn't get fifty percent, we'll eliminate the least vote getter, and then we'll come back and we'll do it again. And that will be your flag. It's so simple.
2: Message on the ceasefire text line: Sue Anna Joe is a Greenwood native who now lives in California. Okay. Uh, somebody says we may go a decade without a flag, but I'm with Borky. I'll vote yes. Um. Sheila in Hattiesburg says you know they're going to lie. I don't really buy into that. Who's going to lie?
0: Who's, who's lying?
2: I guess they were saying we were just going to lie and make the vote tally whatever we wanted it to be so that a flag could be adopted. I that don't that really not think happen. it's exactly that way. Yeah. David says put four flags on the November ballot and let the people decide. Uh, Jeff in Oxford says if the Magnolia didn't have the yellow in it, it might be okay. Uh, somebody says maybe they will just do away with a flag altogether.
3: That will not happen. Oh, eventually oh there will be one, however long it takes, but there will be one.
2: Uh, Thomas in Greenwood says, uh, "Not so fast." People are already saying the magnolia looks like a cotton bowl and is racist. No, I don't know who's saying that. I mean, maybe you're spending too much time on Facebook. Maybe, maybe. Jeff says, Richard, you need to get a tattoo of Davis Wade Stadium on your leg. Probably pass on that. But in (laughs) fairness, not getting a Vaught-Hemingway Stadium tattoo on my leg either. Not going to get any tattoo
3: on my leg. Oh, you didn't get the frat tat, man? No. No, I did not. (laughs) I've got a buddy. Oh, boy. Oh, I've got a stud. You know, if you feel like hearing a story... um. I went down for to New Orleans for one of my fraternity formals, and we shared a hotel with a fraternity at Texas A&M who was also down there for a separate formal. And we're leaving Sunday morning, and there's a guy sitting in the hotel lobby with his hands buried in his face. Just, I mean, buried in his face, and all of his buddies around him are just laughing at him. And someone finally says, (laughs) "That's a what did I do last night?" So he gets up. Pulls his pants down, because it's a, a rear-end tattoo. And, what, it, and it was the signature of every single one of his fraternity brothers tattooed on the entirety of his two rear-end sections. Cheeks, I believe, is the word you're looking his for. His two butt cheeks were tattooed entirely with these <laughs> signatures <laughs> of his fraternity <laughs> brothers. Ah,
2: uh, uh, Yes! Yeah, the the one redeeming part of that story is the location, I think, because nobody's really ever going to see it. I mean, your wife one day, you know, if you have take a shower in the locker room at the local Y, maybe somebody sees it. Yeah, if you're checking out your own rear end in the mirror one day, maybe you know you have to see it. I mean, you don't really even (laughs) see it yourself. Yeah. Generally speaking. I almost made a really bad joke. I'm just going to stay clear of that. It's a good call.
3: Good yeah, call. Probably that,
0: good. Nothing good can come from that.
2: Um Did you guys see any of the fallout from the uh Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays game last night? I was not even aware there was fallout. So, Yankees closer Aroldis Chapman. Oh yeah. Manager Aaron Boone and Tampa Bay Rays manager Kevin Cash have all been suspended for their roles in an incident Tuesday night in New York. Three-game suspension for Araldus Chapman. Boone and Cash got one game each, all received fines. Chapman threw a 101-mile-an-hour fastball near the head of pinch hitter Michael Brousseau while closing out his first save of the year, prompting the benches to empty after the game after New York ended a six-game losing streak to Tampa Bay. They won 5-3. Chapman's first pitch to Brousseau, with two out in the ninth inning, whizzed past his head. Umpires met before issuing warnings to both benches amid a budding rivalry, as it's written. Chapman struck out, end it, and Brousseau began walking toward the visiting dugout before turning back to exchange words with someone on the Yankees' side. The dugouts and benches emptied and players gathered near home plate, but mostly kept their distance before dispersing to their respective clubhouses and umpires stepped in. Tell you more about this, because where this really got interesting was in the post-game comments. The Rays manager said things that I don't know if I've ever heard a Major League Baseball manager say about the opposing team and its manager before. We'll get to that next, Sports Talk Mississippi. So, as I mentioned a second ago, Aaron Boone, the manager for the Yankees, Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Aroldis Chapman all suspended for tonight's game in the Bronx. Aaron Boone did meet with the media a little while ago. Well, let me read you what was said after the game before I read the tweet, because it'll make it make a little more sense. So in his post-game Zoom call, because that's how we operate in 2020, Kevin Cash went off on the Yankees. Masaharo Tanaka, the starter for the Yankees, hit Joey Wendell, or Wendell, with the pitch in the first inning, and Cash hit said he believed it was intentional. And that prompted some back and forth postgame. After they believe Araldis Chapman threw at a guy. I'm always intrigued by the he threw at him and missed and then went on to strike him out. Was he really throwing at him? Or was he pitching? You know, going up and in, buzzing the tower, trying to get a guy off the plate, and then continuing in the at-bat. Suppose that's for somebody else to debate. Here's what Cash said after the game. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by the Yankees. Certainly the pitcher on the mound, it was mishandled by the umpires. They don't have the quote in this story from ESPN, but he went on to call out specifically Aaron Boone called it a joke, said don't know what they're teaching over there, it's ridiculous. You know, he did everything but, say, Bush League. And then he followed it up with this. Somebody has to be accountable. The last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles per hour, period. Ooh. That's what the manager of the race said. And Aaron Boone in his post-game press conference, was told about that statement, and his response was, pretty scary comment, I don't think that's right at all, but I'm not going to get into that right now. And so today, when Aaron Boone was meeting with the media in New York, with regard to his suspension tonight, and other thoughts about the game and the teams and whatnot, he said, Tonight will give me the time to reflect a little bit and maybe tighten up my coaching techniques. (laughs) They didn't throw a punch. There wasn't a fight. You had guys that were trying to de-escalate the thing. Nobody got really close in each other's face. And the game was over. And you had a guy that got hit in the first inning and a guy that almost got hit in the ninth inning and then ultimately struck out to end the game, and we've got a three-game suspension for Chapman and both managers get a game suspension. What are we doing
0: here? i got to feel the Tampa Bay manager's going to get a little bit more at some point, right? You can't no, he only got like a game. So they won't come back to that? No, they've already made their ruling. Oh, well, that's that's surprising then. To it, just basically threaten to get up there and say, I'm going to let it rip.
3: Do you think Dude, Chapman's history leads to a different way this is approached? Say that again? His history. Do you think the benefit of the doubt is removed for one, and two, they're a little bit lighter on a manager that goes too hard and on a guy like that because of his history? Do you think that that impacts anything? Like it happened in the NBA the other night. A player got kicked out of a game uh, for a hard foul on Luka, and if you look at just that play in isolation, shouldn't have been ejected. Morris. Yeah. He shouldn't have been ejected for that, I don't think. But because of his history, That was a quick ejection. Do you think there's anything on the Chapman side in his history that makes you think that they're a little bit quicker on stuff like this because of that? Or people are quick to judge as throwing at him because of his history? We're talking about two things now. But on the NBA, the explanation
2: after the game was it was not a quick ejection. They always go to the monitor, and they said there was contact, there was a wind-up, there was contact, there was follow-through, and it looked like there was intent and that's There's the reason he got
3: intent with him.
2: That's the reason he got popped and got sent to the shower. And yeah, I mean, yes, the the officials said no, the reputation didn't play a role in this at all. But those officials don't operate in bubbles either. I mean, they do right now, but you understand what I'm saying? Right. They saw everybody on Sport Center and inside the NBA and, you know, whatever else slow down the frame where Morris stepped on Luka's ankle. And it looked like it was he was intentionally trying to hurt a guy who already had an injured ankle. Everybody kind of rushed to judgment on that. I I don't know. But with regard to Chapman,
3: eh.
2: yeah, with regard to Chapman though, would you say past incidents are you talking about off the field stuff?
3: Yeah. And that that has given him a a reputation as being a bad guy. And so when somebody does something and you have in the back of your mind is a bad guy it removes the benefit of the doubt yeah i don't think he's really got a history of doing that on the field though and
2: i don't think the off the field stuff would necessarily enter the minds of umpires or i mean i don't know maybe major league baseball and handing down their suspension they do take into account past grievances maybe whether they admit it or not Yeah.
3: I can tell Uh, you, I was talking to a friend while it happened, We're, to tell you the truth, playing Call of Duty, and we had the games on the other TV, but he said, well, a guy like Chapman, of course he's throwing it at his head. I mean, that's the first thing that came up was a guy like Chapman, of course he would do that because of his history. So it, it may be kind of common.
2: Chapman told the media today he had no intention of hitting anyone, admitted the location of some pitches looked bad. Chaplin was being suspended for intentionally throwing a pitch at the head area of Brousseau. That's what Major League Baseball
3: says. What do you think when you watch it? Do you think he was trying? I don't
2: think he was necessarily trying to hit the guy, but I do think he was pitching the way a lot of guys through history in Major League Baseball have pitched. And that's the, the, the difference is. I mean, unless we're talking about Nolan Ryan, if you rewind to the 80s, when baseball was different than it's played right now, people pitched up and in all the time to send a message, try and knock a guy off the plate. But those guys didn't throw 98 or 101 like Aroldis Chapman does. I mean, that might have been an 89-mile-an-hour fastball or a 91-mile-an-hour fastball, which is still plenty fast to do damage, but it's not 100 miles an hour. And I think it probably looks worse when you're talking about a guy like Chapman. In fairness, Chapman hasn't pitched a lot this year. Last night was his first save of the season. Had a blown save so far, and has you know started the season on the COVID list, so he didn't play for a while. For his part, Chapman said he it was not intentional.
3: But of course, he's going to say that. The reaction, by the way. That shows you the difference between a baseball player and normal people. Of course they're trained for it, but that would have struck me in the side of the dome, man. There's no way I'm getting out of that in time. The reaction, the reflexes of the batter to not get hit by that is remarkable.
0: All this all this anger. It's not like they lost 23 to 5 or something.
4: Yeah.
2: Anyway, there's your uh, there's your drama in Major League baseball. You've got uh, a bunch of games tonight, and and by the way, Major League Baseball kind of clipping along right now. We've kind of gotten out of the okay, what games are postponed, and everybody's playing. Bottom of the fourth, looking good in Denver for Heydad's Giants,
0: up six to one on the Rockies. One game below five hundred. They are killing it in Colorado. Like I said, they won last night, twenty three to five. Mm. So you see a score saying, like like, "Man, the Orioles- I hope they didn't." Uh- you know, blow all the runs in one game, but here we go.
2: Yeah. Swinging it. Mets up on the Orioles 2 to 1 in the second. Cardinals and Reds get started at 5:40. Blue Jays and Marlins same start time, 6:05 for the Rays and the Yankees, the Nats and the Phillies, the Cubs and the Pirates. 6:30 first pitch in Boston for Atlanta and the Red Sox. The Red Sox are terrible. They are 12 and 24, including seven games below 500 at home. Braves popped them in the mouth pretty good last night. You hate to see these things. Tigers are at the Brewers, Indians at the Royals, Rangers, Astros happening at 710 in Houston, White Sox in Minneapolis to take on the Twins, Padres are at the Angels, Diamondbacks in beautiful Southern, beautiful sunny Southern California taking on the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine tonight. And uh, A's Mariners has been postponed. Why has that one been postponed? Are are the Mariners still striking?
3: Were the Mariners striking? But to your point, wasn't the the most recent round of COVID test in Major League Baseball all negative?
0: I mean, we've gotten so jaded, it could just be raining. I mean, I don't know the answer.
3: Yeah.
2: Makeup date has been set for September 14th for that game. So that's what's happening in uh, in Major League Baseball. Just while we're doing it, quick peek at the standings, if you care. And this thing's getting late. We're only playing sixty games. The teams that have actually played all of their games are in the thirty-four to 37, 38 games played mark. Rays lead the American League East by three and a half over the Yankees. Two up in the loss column. Indians and the White Sox tied for the division league in the AL Central. A's still with a three-game lead over the Rangers out west. National League side of things, Braves up three on the Marlins and the Phillies in the National League East. Cubs with a three-game lead on the Cardinals. Cardinals finally catching up and playing some games. They've now played 27 games in comparison. The Cubs have played 35. And the Dodgers have a five-game lead out west in the National League over the San Diego Padres, who were wildly active at the trade deadline. Picked up Clevenger, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. There is a forever debate about chicken wings, right? I mean, the the biggest debate is drummies or flats, right?
0: That is a debate.
2: Where do you, where do you fall on that?
0: I'm a flat guy, but I love drummies. Yeah. Borky?
2: Either one's fine.
3: Just happy to have them.
2: Yeah. I I prefer the drummies. A lot of people swear by the flats. And then there are the folks that like to talk about boneless chicken wings.
0: Those don't exist. Which is
2: technically a chicken tender, right? It's a chicken nugget. A chicken nugget. Fair enough. In the city council meeting, in lovely lincoln nebraska yesterday i believe it was there was a gentleman among all of the other important issues that are going on who thought there was a specifically important issue that
1: needed to be addressed by government
2: here's what it was
4: first and then jane and then you okay
1: i promise i won't take up too much of your time here my name is andrew christensen uh, i live at 1212 twin ridge road Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city, Remove the... Excuse me, I'm trying to... Yeah. Excuse me, sir, come on. <laughs> I propose that we as a city remove <laughs> the name Boneless Wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about Boneless Chicken Wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around to pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing? Number two, Boneless Chicken Wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. (laughs) And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. That is Brian
2: Haydad giving uh well, the true be. American right there. Yes. That was sir, a standing he, ovation in spirit. He just couldn't make himself get out of his chair.
0: Maybe I, I too many saucy up, nugs. Hey. No, I don't I don't eat the saucy nugs. I love how he slipped in the trash bone there. Bone-in wings. That's what they should be called.
3: And the commitment to the bit. I mean, when the guy started laughing, he turns around. <laughs> please, and, sir. Please, sir.
0: Boneless Excuse me, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do this. Boneless here. auto repair? Fantastic. I
2: don't ask for boneless tacos. <laughs> uh. Hey, hey uh,
0: Saucy Nugs, I think, is trending on uh, Twitter also. If, if anybody from Southern Coop in Oxford is listening, this is your chance. Jump on board with this. Saucy Nugs.
3: I feel like that's a really bad jam band somewhere.
0: <laughs> We're saucy nugs. We're a fish tribute band. Hmm. Sit back for the next six hours. We're gonna hit a bongo solo here. We'll play three songs. So, so do wing places like advertise
2: boneless wings? Yeah, yeah.
0: But they're chicken nuggets.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm just not really a wing guy. Oh, Man, I I'm fine them. with them. No, no. Love I'm them. no, not. I, I, no, I'm not, not saying you don't. I, I say I get what you're saying. I'm saying that wings are like a top three food for me. You cook them yourself sometimes. Oh yeah, in the air fryer.
3: Mm. Do them, them in
0: bacon fat in a That's skillet. Not a bad choice. Yeah. I like to grill them too. That's what I got that vortex for for the charcoal grill. Crisp up the skin real nice. Going to do some wings are this it? weekend on the grill. Are you? Yeah.
2: Ran out of lasagna. Stop.
0: Yes, I did actually. It's a I ate some Saturday, and my wife ate the rest. I think uh, Tuesday night.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like I say, just not the uh, biggest wing guy. It's fine. I'm fine with them. I've got no issue. I just don't ever go. Be like, you know what? Let's go to the wing place to get lunch or supper. It's like if I happen to be at a place where they have wings, I might. Yeah, I'll take half a dozen or a dozen. But whatever. Two dozen. You said, hey, Dad, is that right? Two dozen? Oh, yeah.
0: When I go to Southern Coop, I'll get two dozen for sure. Okay.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. I can, I think, promise no wing talk and no REM talk in the four o'clock hour. Yeah. Can you be sure? No, I can't. Can never be sure. that bill bender can appreciate that music sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm into the four o'clock hour richard cross michael Borkey, brian haydad let's go to the farm bureau phone line check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau bill i think you and i are about the same age i believe we've established that how big of a fan of karate kid were you
4: oh huge i mean you know i'm Probably a little too much about those three before he got off the rails a little bit. And then, um, yeah, this new series, I wrote about it today for us, Sporting News. It's not a coincidence. It's dominating Netflix. I think Johnny Lawrence is phenomenal. And um, they, they've they done a good job of coming up with a uh, on. Bill,
2: we lost you. We lost you for a second. I heard you say they've done a good job with something, and then I lost you.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, what generation are we, X? We're like X, Y, something like that. But they've come up with a show that is good for every generation. I really believe that.
2: Okay, so I've heard a lot of people talking about how Cobra Kai is great. I, I I gave it a try, and I am not by any stretch of the imagination a cinephile. I am a bit of a sentimentalist, and loved Karate Kid, and loved Karate Kid Two, and we're all just going to pretend like Karate Kid Three was never actually made because it was, you know, one of the worst things ever. That might be the worst acting I've ever seen in a like a series.
4: <laughs> I think Johnny does all right. I mean, they're kids. Um, to me, well, you sound like you're a Larusso guy. I, I, I'm getting that sense, or well, you may have rooted for Larusso a little bit, and I'm more, I'm more of a. You know, when you watch a movie, I well, I will say this. When I watch a movie, I my buddies get on me about this, Richard. I always root for the good guy. Almost always root okay. for the good guy. And Karate Kid's one of those rare... I think sports movies, I kind of turn a little bit the other way. I mean, I'm rooting for Johnny a little bit.
2: Did uh, Did you also root for Sato's nephew in Karate Kid 2?
4: <laughs> no, no, he was a bad dude. He was one of the worst. I mean, he was a mean guy, but... It, I mean, as far as sports movies go, though, I've had this discussion, too, of, like, Ten Cup, for example. I mean, I'm kind of like, well, David Sims did the things necessary to win, right? I mean, you know, nothing wrong with that. Plus, it's Don Johnson. um, And then, you know, you you lead into some really serious wormholes with some of those discussions. But I think Cobra Kai, as far as a binge-worthy series on Netflix goes, it's the first one that I was – I knocked out a season in two days, and it's been a long time since I've done that. Yeah,
2: I tried, and I just I couldn't keep going. You said a second ago I was a Larusa fan. I was more of an Alley fan, if we're being honest.
4: Well, everybody was an Alley fan. Come on now. Yeah. So, uh, um, and you also have SEC football to look forward to. We're still here, kind of searching away. At uh, you know, after covering the Big Ten mess all day and Tuesday, I need something else to do.
2: Was Allie better in Karate Kid or in, in Adventures in Babysitting? Oh,
4: <laughs> she's pretty – that's a good movie, too. She was better oh, she in
0: Cocktail. cocktail. Oh,
4: well, there you go. Well, like, fair enough. Well, my fair kids enough. won't be watching Cocktail anytime soon. They, I, Adventures in Babysitting, my kids are probably close to ready for, I think, if I remember correctly. There's nothing yeah, bad on that one. Uh,
2: th- th- there is that one line that she comes pretty strong with where she yanks the switchblade out of the guy's toe on the uh, the subway. Um, yeah. they might not be ready for that yet.
4: But I mean, you know, this is where we're at when I'm looking for these entertainment options. This is typically a weekend Richard. when we talk that I am gushing about four or five huge non-con matchups, and the best I can do for you this weekend is maybe Memphis Arkansas State on Saturday. I'll watch Navy BYU. I'm a little intrigued by that one because I want to see what Navy has this year, but uh it's not the greatest uh, Labor Day weekend slate by any means.
2: Bill, are you um, are you ready to uh, be a little jealous? Uh, go for what? I, I am going to wake up in the morning, as are Brian Hayed and Michael Borkey. I'm going to jump in the car, and I'm driving to Hattiesburg, and we're going to do the show from the campus of Southern Miss, and then we'll get to see a game in person, live American college tackle football in person tomorrow
0: night.
4: That's amazing, and you guys should enjoy it. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people will be watching that like they were last Saturday. I think the the struggle with that, though, if you're not a Southern Miss or South Alabama fan, the the struggle they had Saturday night, for example, was how long did people hang on and watch Austin P in Central Arkansas, right? You got a couple series in. Well, Southern Mississippi, though, if I'm selling it, you know, experienced quarterback, going to put some points on the board there spread looks high. I took him to cover that 14.5 on our SM picks, but um, like you said, at the end of the day, you guys, I am jealous. You guys are going to be watching a college football game in person. Good for you.
2: Bill Bender from the Sporting News on the Farm Bureau phone line. What'd you make of the Jamie Newman news? Him opting out today from Georgia, never took a snap, was the presumed starter. Do you think it has anything to do with JT Daniels coming in, or you think this is purely a decision about his future?
4: Uh, probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, I mean, if Daniels showed something, and if Newman, it, it could be one of those deals where Nick Daniels has the edge, and Newman decided to you know, focus on something else. But I have a hard time believing that, considering how much more time Newman had in the system. Um, or it could just be a pure move, which is what we saw out of um, tomorrow chase of the weekend. And I'm not trying to drive any fear. Lord knows there's a lot of that on Twitter, but that makes me a little antsy that some of these star players are opting out now. And it did when the big 10 did it because, you know, you remember Michael Parsons, Rondell Moore, Rashad bateman and they all opted out before the big 10 canceled. I'm not saying the SEC is anywhere near canceling. It just, it, it takes a little bit out of me knowing that LSU's best player, other than maybe Stingley, isn't going to play this year.
2: we talked a good bit about LSU over the last couple of weeks because that's Mississippi state's opener. And, I think LSU has a talented roster. I mean, Ed Ogeron and his staff have done a really good job recruiting. That's a, a, a job where some people would argue it recruits itself, but we know that you know there have been coaches at LSU that have not always succeeded. And it was a good coaching job, but there's no Joe Brady this year. There's no Joe Burrow. You now have two returning starters on offense: Terrace Marshall at one of the one receiver spots, uh, wide receiver spots, and then Austin Deculus on the offensive line. There's no way LSU can be anywhere close to what they were a year ago. Are you concerned about this being a significant drop-off for LSU? Or are you in the camp of their talent is so good that, you know, they're still probably going to win 7-8-9 in a shortened season? I, they're
4: still, I still think they're good enough to go 7-3. and three, But where that, that loss shows up to me of the talent is they've got a tough schedule. They've got to go play Florida in the swamp. They've got mentioned the opener against Mississippi State, where, I mean, that, they'll probably win that game, but you know Leach is going to throw it 70 times, um, 60 times at least. And then you know, later in the season, they play Auburn. They've got a lot of tough games. And I don't know if I've ever seen a team win a national championship and lose that much, like that much to the NFL, that much to their coaching staff. And now you add in a couple opt-outs, and Kerry Vincent was another one, it's going to make their
2: job a lot tougher to repeat. Yeah, no no question about that. Um, The ongoing back and forth, the drama in the Big Ten, President Trump gets involved earlier this week. There's been some talk. I think Dan Patrick says that there's a source within the Big Ten uh, that says October 10th could be a potential start date if the presidents and chancellors get some medical information they need to see. What are you hearing? Are are you buying into any of this stuff that the Big Ten could be playing football in October?
4: No, I'm not, and it's unfortunate. I still think they're more focused on like a January or Thanksgiving start. Um, If I were them, I'd vote again, and I'd try to get out on the field in October. And, And even if it's October 10th, October 3rd, October 17th, I don't care. Try to get eight or nine games in try to get Ohio State in the playoffs basically is what I'm telling you because that money will come with it because I don't feel a loss on their schedule um, once they see if it goes according to plan for the ACC and the SEC and the big 12 once those conferences start playing I don't, I, I the big ten conversation is not going away and the reason it happened yesterday too with Donald Trump forget about getting into politics too much but I mean it's impossible not to say this out loud but Ohio, PA, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, at 70, 74 electoral votes.
2: Massive swing states.
4: states. Huge from the election standpoint in terms of all of those states right now, with the exception of Ohio, are Democratic liens. And that's just putting facts out there, right, Richard? I'm not like swaying one way or the other. It is a vital part of the election to win those states, and Donald Trump did that in the last election.
2: Yeah, I mean it's the difference in him getting a second term and Joe Biden becoming the president. I mean it's it so no, I mean you're not overstating that at all. Do you think people in the Big Ten footprint? Do, do you think what the president did yesterday will resonate enough with them that it will swing some
4: votes? Well, it depends on what the follow through is. I mean, if he continues to, whether it's just grandstanding or is he really intent on helping? I mean, I it's hard for me. I really try. I don't want to say I separate politics and sports. I try to stay in the middle with it as much as I can. Yeah. My read on it, though, is if they played Big Ten football this year and Donald Trump had a hand in it, I think he'd have a really good chance at winning. I, I can just speak to the state I live in. He'd probably have a really good chance to win in Ohio. He'd probably wow. get Michigan. He'd probably get Wisconsin and Minnesota. Obviously, there's a lot more going on in those states than just football in terms yeah. of social issues. So it's hard for me You're to right. speak on those. But I
2: think he would get
4: Ohio and Michigan. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for
2: having me. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Good to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. If you want to be a part of the show? You can do so on the Seaspire text line 601 879 4395. Be honest. You know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C can power your success today at com slash business. What are you most excited about for football season?
3: <laughs> football. The games. No dud weekends would, would yeah. be my answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as much as I love the sport, and I do, and it technically pays my bills. And so for that, I thank it. But there are some weekends where I, and you guys know this, you have to call a game on the radio, you have to cover a game that is awful. It's poorly played. Nobody, even the fans or the players on the field, really care about it. It's one-sided. It's a blowout. And a couple of weekends a year, we get a full slate of that crap. Especially in the SEC. And I'm forced to sit down and watch Ole Miss play Southeast Louisiana and Mississippi State watch or watch Mississippi State play Stephen F. Austin. And I feel like I do nothing but waste time because nobody there wants to be there, let alone me sitting at home. That being removed from this season, mm-hmm. and I understand the importance of those games, they need to be played. I grew up on FCS football, I know they're important. I don't want them to go away, but for one season, every single Saturday has a slate of games that I am locked in and engaged on, and that I, I would feel like I'm missing if I don't watch them. That's going to be awesome.
0: I mean, for me, it's not as you know, not as much for Borky there because I'll watch college ball no matter what. But just to have it back, man. It, you think about college football, we're, we're always excited when it comes back, anyway, right? Because it's been eight months. But eight months, you know, this this time period that we've had, college football is one of my favorite things on the earth. You know, outside of my family, I don't know what else I really like more. And uh to get it back is big. You know, to be able to, you know, I, I'm planning to go to Baton Rouge, be able to sit in the press box, sit in Tiger I don't care, there's only, you know, 20,000 people. It's it's Tiger Stadium. Twenty thousand LSU fans are probably noisier than just about any other group in the world. <clears> and to be there, to see the golden band from Tigerland, I don't know if they're gonna be able to play on the on the field or whatever, but they're I don't not. care. I don't Remember? care. Just, I, I, just I told to hear you them play, I couldn't. Just to hear the four notes and, and and all that, you know. It's I'm excited. I'm excited. Exactly. I'm excited. So ready, to, ready, to, ready to get back to college football. I and mean, honestly, just to be on this show and to know, I know that on uh, I guess that would be Monday, September 28th. If we talk about politics, I'm coming to Jack, coming to Oxford. I'm going to find you, Richard Cross. We're going to talk about college football on Monday the 28th. I know that day is coming. Start to finish, no politics, no COVID, no nothing, just college football. And NFL, too, yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Borky, you, you, you said you were excited about the no-dud weekends. And I'm with you. I, I think the all-conference schedule is really cool. I had a buddy who is a massive college football fan, and he said, Look, I've long been a proponent of getting rid of the games against Presbyterian, against, you know, Eastern, Northwestern Tech. He said, But I've changed my tune on that. And he is he's nostalgic and and kind of a romanticist with regard to college football. But he said, Man, UCA and Austin P our brethren in the FCS, they hung tough with us. When the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 said we're going to play, not only did they say we're going to play, they said we're going to pave the road for you boys. We're going to do it a month before. And if there are any issues, you'll have time to work them out. I thought that was an interesting take. I, I wish this was my um, my original thought. But he also pointed out when we were talking, he said, when the history of the 2020 college football season is written, with all its corona-COVID glory and shortened seasons and whatnot, when you go to the section of the history and you, you look at important people, he said that Brad Teague deserves to be on that list. Brad Teague is a Mississippian who is the athletic director at the University of Central Arkansas. Have you guys looked at what they ultimately were able to put together? They lost all of their games, every single one of them. They played Austin P. on Saturday night. Tomorrow night, they will play at UAB. They will then be off for 16 days before they travel to Arkansas State. That's three straight run games to begin the season. They've got Missouri State the following week. They will go to the Fargo Dome to play North Dakota State. One off. Only game of the year for North Dakota State. UCA said, we'll play you. They will go to Richmond, Kentucky to take on Eastern Kentucky. They will play Missouri State for a second time. A home and home. That one's on the road. On Halloween, they will host Eastern Kentucky. Home and home with them. And they're going to play Louisiana Lafayette. Two home games, but a nine-game schedule. It's remarkable what they were able to put together.
0: Let yeah. Brad Teague be the czar of college football scheduling then. If he put that together in two months, no more 2043 dates. We can, Brad Teague is going to set up the schedule for everybody year to year. Nominate it. Somebody second me.
3: Two things in this in this schedule, too, by the way. Not afraid. No. Not afraid at all. Two uh, FBS teams on this schedule. And then they go to Fargo, which might as well be an FBS schedule. Yeah. And then the other one's just doing right by the kids. I mean, we've talked about it all summer. But these, especially at this level, like the guys on LSU, the ones that are opting out, and, and there's a handful of guys in Oxford and Starkville and more so in Tuscaloosa and Auburn, but a bunch of dudes that... They're not done playing football when this is over. All of his players, this is it. College football is it. And putting on a season as disjointed as it is and probably expensive, they're not making money off of this, there's no way, is doing right by their kids. That's awesome. And I wish more people had the uh, intestinal fortitude to do what was right by their football team. And it's a shame that they didn't. Because this is doing right by your football team. They're not making a dime off of this. There's no way. I think I used that line
2: on Monday about not making any money. Somebody kind of well actually at well actually us said well actually they um, got a hundred thousand dollars for playing in that game and had some left over. Uh, okay, good. And,
3: and I'm not that doesn't factor in the expenses that it cost them to go play that. No, game, I mean that, I
2: think they were saying after expenses that they they made a little bit.
3: That's um, good. And maybe
2: they did. And good for them. But I think to, I think Borky's point is a legitimate one. In the way that we talk about money being generated in college athletics, a hundred thousand dollars to participate in a game against another FCS opponent, not really on the radar screen. Not when Southern Miss was supposed to be getting one point four million from Auburn this year. By the way, tomorrow we will be live in Hattiesburg. Uh, you guys were set up for the state championship games in Hattiesburg last year. What behind the Thad Cochran Center on Southern Miss's campus? Does that ring a bell? That's right, T- two years ago. But yeah, two years ago. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, same location. That is r- roughly the same location. That is where we will be set up. So, kind of diagonally across from the football stadium, we are going to visit with Jeremy McLean tomorrow afternoon. We are scheduled to visit with Reggie Collier. Oh, that'll be fun. Tomorrow afternoon. Legend. And hopefully a couple of other guests will be stopping by as well. Really looking forward to being in Hattiesburg. We going to get down there in time for a uh Captain Crunch milkshake?
1: Oh, you know
0: that's happening. Is
2: that pre-game or post-game for you?
0: That that i better be pregame. I'll get that I'll get that for lunch.
2: You're not going to fall asleep on the radio after having that at lunch, are you?
0: Uh, No. It's only happened once on this program. I wasn't part of that, but it's not going to happen again. I have not thought about that in quite a long time. (laughs) It just pops into my head every now and then.
2: Oh, Borky. (laughs) Did that really happen?
3: I think so. (laughs) Tenzel
2: Dichi waiting on hold.
0: I just never forget getting a text like, Did you listen to Head to Head today? Like when it was called that. And I was like, No. They're like, You should listen.
2: <laughs> the rest is history. The rest, indeed. Is Eddie is Phantom history. still
3: putting out hits, by the way? Really? Yeah. I think he released a new album kind of recently. Was it good? I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Thanks. <laughs> Is it anything like the previous ones? There hey, in the first album there was a song that you heard and you thought, "You know, this isn't bad."
2: You, really, really did, you uh you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so. Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. We will be right back. Wild thing. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Interesting story at Sports Illustrated from Ross Dellinger. It has to do with the, uh, the evolving technology, what he describes as a wave of new generation rapid tests as it pertains to COVID-19. We've heard about the saliva tests. And, you know, all the, the different tests, some of them taking a while to turn around results, some of them quick results, although the results are considered sometimes not to be as accurate. But a bunch of schools are really investing in this equipment. In the story from Dellinger, roughly half of the athletic directors in the Sun Belt are waiting on these new testing machines conference schools spend a combined 500 to 100,000 to a $1 million dollars on testing kits to pair with the 6-pound Abbott ID Now machines the test kits and machines should arrive this week giving administrators a quick test at our fingertips that's according to the athletic director at South Alabama Joel Erdman Borky, I know you read through this and you call this a complete game changer. What is it that stands out
3: most to you about what's happening? It's two things immediate response and cost. Now, the problem is, and I hope they've addressed this. I think Lane Kiffen said yesterday that they've got some kind of meeting with the SEC office, you know, a Zoom meeting or whatever, to maybe address something like this. But since you now have. A very inexpensive test that gets immediate results. Maybe you could flag a false positive since it's right there at your fingertips. I don't know. But those are the two things. It's that these smaller programs with smaller budgets that will not get a nice big fat check from their league office can afford to do this. And you don't have to depend on a lab somewhere else to process and give you results. And now that flu season's coming up, these labs might get bogged down. So it takes them completely out of the equation. Rapid results and cost, it's huge for college football. And hopefully, since it is rapid result and it is not expensive, we can flag a false positive and use our brains and move forward. So you've
2: got a couple of different systems that are in place. The... Abbott Labs Binax Now is a quicker, cheaper, potentially more accurate machine than ID Now. Uh, So, two different systems that kind of do the same thing. Um, Not yet widely available, the one from Abbott Labs. And maybe not until later in the fall, but industry experts believe that the Binax Now is a true game changer for society and sports. Even the most cautious of physicians are excited about the possibilities of a device they compare to a drugstore pregnancy test. Uh, Doug Ackerman, who is Oregon State's team doctor and is head of the Pac-12's medical advisory panel, says, it seems like this is something that can really help. It does not require a machine to read it. It does not require a lab. This is a cartridge which has a color change in the strip. That's big-time technology. It's just not ready quite yet. And while that is all the rage, the ID Now machine is on its way to benefiting several college athletics departments immediately. Mentioned a second ago, at least half of the Sunbelt's 10 members were part of a bulk order of the ID Now machines and testing kits made through the conference office. The machines were deeply discounted, but there was a requirement that, um, the schools buy at least 2,000 tests at about $65 a pop. So they bought the machines and then they were required to buy 2,000 tests, about $130,000 a school that participated. And some schools bought as many as 3,000 tests and as a result, the results are expected to uh, receive two machines. These machines, called ID Now machines, can process four to five tests an hour about 15 minutes for for a processing so again I feel like a little bit of a broken record on this front but trending in the right
3: direction That's I mean the that, significance that, of this story is we we've all talked about well we believe the season's going to start but will it end This is a big step to get to an end. Yeah,
2: and while four tests an hour is not a ton, especially when you talk about 100 football players that have got to be tested, it's better than testing and having to wait somewhere between 24 and 72 hours to get the results. And if you're the backup long snapper, you're probably not getting tested as early in the process as the uh, starting quarterback. I mean, you just do it in order of priority, or or seniority, or, or however you do it. But anyway, you know, the adage that, like, sometimes time is the only thing that heals. Well, this is a little bit different, but the, the same principle, right? I mean, we're a long way removed now from March 11th, cl- closing in on six months. And we've gone from unknown, like completely unknown and scared to death, to pretty scared, to people thinking it's a hoax, to okay, some folks are yeah, I mean that's serious, but we got to get back to normal life. But we all along knew that we had to get, we had to get better testing, had to have a better understanding of the virus. A lot of things we needed to know, and the only way you were going to do that, whether it was trials for a vaccine. Or other therapies or testing machines and rapid results and accuracy and all that. It was just going to take a little bit of time. And now we got a little bit of time under our belt six months. And that's part of the reason that we're now seeing what I feel like is more good news on an almost daily basis. Um, big pharma. Has its fair share of detractors. It's a, it's kind of a gross business sometimes. They make massive amounts of money. They charge us too much for medicines and prescriptions and whatnot. But they also do some pretty unbelievable research. And it's part of the reason that they charge as much and whatnot is because they're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on research and development, trying to find the next thing to make themselves a whole bunch of money. But those things that make them a whole bunch of money, generally speaking, are pretty useful in society. Just kind of feels like more good news. A lot of suggestions on if we make it to Hattiesburg, where to go and eat tomorrow. Here's one that says, boys, eat lunch at Murky Waters on Hardy across from the zoo. Hey, Dad, best wings for sure and really good barbecue. This is from Jimmy in Hattiesburg. He says, Welcome to town. Love the show. Thank you, Jimmy. Looking forward to be there. Tim in Columbia says, Ed's burger joint. Yep. That is happening. Somebody says, I'm going to see y'all and I'm going to bring memes. (laughs) Okay. That's the gift that
3: keeps on giving. Love a good meme.
2: Uh, how about this one? Heck yeah, no politics, just football. Finally, we can ease off the gas pedal, enjoy life. Don't know if NFL will go about with no political talk, though. Can't wait to hear those cowbells, something we can all come together with. You're,
0: I don't know if we could all come together with the cowbells or not,
3: Richard. Yeah. But you know. You're going to get it a little bit in the NFL, but if I just had to guess, I don't think it's going to be near as in-your-face as what you see with the NBA, for whatever
2: that's
0: worth. Oh, I agree with that for sure.
2: Another lunch suggestion. Uh, Jake and Laurel says definitely go to Cotton Blues. Okay. We've got a suggestion for Letha's Barbecue.
0: Been there. Have you? Yeah. Pretty good. Nice. Where is it? It's a little bit off the beaten path uh, in Hattiesburg. I'm not sure I could get back there. I've only been there once. I'd have to. I'd have to use the GPS for that one.
2: Generally speaking, off the beaten path for that's a, good, a barbecue that's a good joint
0: is not a bad thing. It's a good sign. So when like you got to go down this dirt road, okay, you you got me.
2: Half Shell Oyster House is a recommendation. Derek in Greenwood says Letha's is the best barbecue in the state. Ooh. Okay.
0: That's a bold statement.
2: Preston and Fulton says, "I hope before COVID is gone, it kills the cowbells, hotty totty."
0: Eh.
2: Somebody said those rapid tests are only fifty to sixty percent accurate. I don't think your numbers are accurate. They, I'm, not, I'm not being. Just had medical professionals tell me otherwise. Was it the number ninety-eight and a half percent? A
3: half percent?
0: Yeah, sixty percent of the time it works every time.
2: Sports talk, Mississippi. will be back. Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. Your daily Alvin Kamara update. I don't know if these are gonna be daily or not.
0: Yeah, this should be the last one for a while, hopefully. Uh
2: Kamara returned to practice today. Wait, is there a is there a deal done? No, no, no but I mean Oh, as a okay. You don't think he's going to opt out again or you know, sit out again?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, return to practice after what a source uh, described to Mike Triplett at ESPN as an unexcused four-day absence that was believed to be contract-related. Sean Payton said we're actively negotiating a contract with him and his agent and we'll keep you posted if there's any progress. Declined to specify if Kamara was absent from all team activities or if he will be fined for the absence. Apparently, he was getting some treatment on his back as well. Peyton went on to say, we're focused on him being part of our plan week one. Look, it was good having him back out there. I thought he had a good practice today. He's an important part of what we do. Talked about this yesterday. Kamara headed into the final year of his rookie contract. He reported for the start of training camp, participated for the first several weeks, and said he wasn't focused on the contract, but then has missed the last four days. The Saints wanted to. They could fine Kamara up to $40,000 a day for his unexcused absences. They are not required to do that because he is still on his rookie contract. And here's the kicker in this. The Saints are willing to make a long-term commitment, but the question is, at what value? There's another comp on the market. Derrick Henry got the $12 million a year. Christian McCaffrey broke the bank with the Panthers at his $16 million per year and Joe Mixon just got an extension and will make 12 million dollars a year a 4-year 48 million dollar contract. Borkey you maintain that 12 million is too much to pay a running back.
3: Yeah, Mixon's good. I don't know if he's that good. Uh, the report there was also reporting yesterday that said they were 2 million apart. Who's that? The Camara Saints salary comments. Or about 2 million a year apart. And the current what do you think that on means? The table? 10 to 12? 8 um, to 10? apparently the Saints offered him 12. Oh. And so he was asking for maybe 14, so maybe he's not even looking for Derrick Henry money. Um, Him returning to practice today, it tells me it's one of two things, and this is pretty obvious, but it's either they're very close to a deal and he's comfortable enough with the negotiations to return to practice, or as a guy that apparently just absolutely loves the city and the team, the if you don't practice and come down to our number, we're going to trade you, got him to return to practice. Because that guy does not want to be traded. Right. He wants to be a saint. They, that offense, in the way Peyton uses him, is the best situation for him in the NFL. Very creative screen game. Obviously, he gets to run the football a little bit. But it's mostly the screen in the passing game. You get Camara or whoever your running back is out in space the way Peyton does. Nobody else in the NFL runs a screen game quite like they do. It's perfect for him.
2: You just don't. You you just can't stand the idea of him in Seattle. Oh gosh, no. Because no, you no. you said the Saints are, are are the most suited. You know they're going to use him the best. I don't. That
3: that's Seattle that that might not be too bad. The Saints are way better up front than the Seahawks are though. Way better. That is true.
2: Are the Saints going to have to blow it up next year
0: because of the no. whole salary
2: cap thing? That's the question.
0: Keep, they'll keep playing these games. They'll they'll keep deferring this and pushing aside that.
3: Drew Brees next year, if he doesn't play, it's like a twenty two million dollar cap hit for a mm-hmm. guy that's not on your team.
0: They'll figure something out.
3: Hey, Dad, you've heard me ask
2: Deuce that before. Yeah. Do, do you? Does there come a time where you have to pay the piper, or can you just trade away draft picks and restructure deals in perpetuity, and never actually have to? You got to be really good. You you got to be really good and really smart to be able to juggle it the way the Saints have, yeah. really for several years now, and looking like that's going to continue to be the case going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're just going to let everybody go at the end of the season. Yeah, they they, they have they have a good uh, plan in place, and they continue to work it.
2: 5 o'clock hour is just around the corner. We've got the college football fix coming up. Told you that we will be in Hattiesburg tomorrow. Thanks for all the lunch recommendations. And a couple of you have pointed out, uh, Lee even sent me an email, said Letha's has moved to Pedal. If you were planning to go there for lunch, so not uh, the Hattiesburg location right is not there. So thanks for that. For so we got a whole list here: Crescent City Patio, Forty Four Eds, Murky Waters, Mugshots, Keg and
0: Barrel, Keg and Cotton Barrel Blues says, is beer. one beer. What am I supposed to do? I can't. I can't. I can't enjoy that. Do what no? The keg and barrel—the first thing he has highlighted is beer. Like I'd, I'd, I'd like to do that, but I got to work.
2: Sports talk, Mississippi. It might Make the day more fun. True. College football fix is next. <laughs> Start at the five o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at Supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. Told you a couple of times. We'll be in Hattiesburg tomorrow. Southern Miss and South Alabama to kick off the football season. That is the um Well, UAB may kick their game off against UCA earlier. I, I would have to they look do. At the start time. An they hour do. earlier. So it was going to be the first FBS game of the season, but it'll be the first night of FBS football. No reason to pick eh. nets. It's all good.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's FBS versus FBS at least. Indeed,
2: it is. That is a that's uh, a good. Yeah, there you go. First game pitting FBS opponents to uh, to start the year. So that's happening tomorrow in Hattiesburg, and we can't wait. To, uh, to be there tomorrow afternoon with you. The ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to Gigabit Ceasefire uh, Ceasefire Fiber and see what real Internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. Time right now for the college football fix. Challenge football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. By Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for Tough F-150. I saw an email from Ford pop up a little while ago. It said the all-new 2021 F-150. Not a full redesign, but a little bit of a redesign. You have piqued my interest, Ford. Can't wait to learn more. And check those out. Very soon at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Borky, we have a preseason All-America team made up of players that are actually going to play this year.
3: Yeah, they finally adjusted the preseason content. I mean, pushing a poll out there with teams that aren't going to play is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, at least now. We're getting it right.
2: That don't make no sense.
3: No, it doesn't. All right, here you go. Just like
2: before, Trevor Lawrence... This is from The Athletic, by the way. Preseason first-team All-American quarterback Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. Two running backs. Travis Etienne from Clemson. Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. A couple of wide receivers. Oklahoma State's Tylan Wallace. Devontae Smith from Alabama. Tight end comes from Iowa State. You've probably never heard of him. And the offensive lineman, two from the SEC, one from the ACC, one from the Big 12. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Trey Smith from Tennessee, Lion Johnson from Boston College, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, and then uh, one from Texas for a good boot, Samuel Cosby. Defensive side, Marvin Wilson, one of the defensive linemen out of Florida State. You've heard his name a good bit during the offseason. Two linebackers from the SEC, Dylan Moses from Alabama and Nick Bolton from Missouri. Derek Stingley from LSU is one of the cornerbacks. When you get over to the second-team offense, we're talking about preseason All-Americans from the Athletic. North Carolina's Sam Howell is the quarterback. bunch of uh, SEC guys, too. Both running backs, Najee Harris from Alabama, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Preseason second-team All-American from the Athletic. Um, maybe a name that actually a couple of names that you probably recognize. Tutu Atwell Jr. I'm sorry, Tutu Atwell from Louisville, really good player. He's fun. And then Demonte Coxey from Memphis, really good player as well. All right, other SEC guys on the second team offense: Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida; Deontay Brown, the offensive lineman from Alabama; Drake Jackson, offensive lineman, Kentucky. Darian Kennard, offensive lineman, Kentucky. How about two Kentucky players making a preseason All-America squad?
0: They're going to be pretty good.
2: Up front, no less. Yeah. SEC guys defensively. Jordan Davis from Georgia on the defensive line. Jabril Cox at LSU as a linebacker. Uh, Kyrie Elam as a corner from Florida. Richard Lecount, the safety from Georgia, Patrick Sertan. Sertan or Sertane? Sertan. Patrick Sertan from Alabama, the corner. If it's Sertan, why do you think they put the I in there in the last name?
0: I don't know. There's no, you know, why in my name, but it's Heydad.
2: Is that how everybody pronounces it when they meet you for the first time? No. <laughs> What's the most common mispronunciation of your name? haddad Hadad? Hadid? Mm-hmm. No, haddad Haddad Yeah. Do you even correct people anymore?
0: Uh, I usually go with close enough. So and like, they're like, hey, Mr. Oh. Hadad, I'm like, close enough. Anybody,
2: anything stand out on those first and second team All-American squads?
3: Yeah, the handful of Alabama players are still, unfortunately, there. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got some pretty good ones. Yeah, man, it feels like they've been there forever, too.
2: Alabama did not have the exodus off that team a year ago that no. some people thought was going to happen.
0: You thought Smith, Mo- you thought Smith, Moses, and Harris would be gone for sure, and and Leatherwood, and Leatherwood. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh,
3: agree or disagree? Alabama cruises. it's The important word: cruises to an SEC West championship. Meaning, there is not a team close to them when the season's over. Cruises to the finish.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll be they'll probably be two games ahead of, of in the West. They'll be three games so ahead. How many? Three. I think they'll be undefeated, and LSU will lose three a and will probably so you, lose three, Auburn... So you think in terms of the Western
2: Division only, Bama's going to be 5-0 and and the next best will be 2-3? and
0: Yeah.
3: Well, is it just overall record because they're all conference games?
2: Uh,
3: It's got to be, right?
2: Y- yes, yes, but it's still split into divisions. But I, I'm talking about right, in right. terms of... And I didn't do the math right on that either. There, there's six of them in, right. your, in your division.
0: right. The, so yeah, they're going to beat everybody in the West, and then the next best team will be three and three. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, you got me. Got me second guessing myself. No, yeah. You, well,
2: you're the one that messed me up because you said two and three, and I was like, hold on, they're no, no. You said two and three, and
0: I just agreed with it because it doesn't matter what the number is. They're going undefeated, and I think the next team is going to have at least three losses. You're saying two and three when that if they're seven and three, they're all conference games.
2: I understand that, but you were making the distinction, or somebody did, of the SEC West.
0: Well, I'm saying they have to win the division first. They'll right. win that by about three games. As far as Georgia or Florida, I don't know what to do with Georgia now because of the quarterback thing. So do they lose to Florida or not? Uh, you know, Florida Florida could go undefeated if, if Georgia doesn't figure things out. Cause mm. I think Florida would beat LSU for sure. Mm. Um, but I, 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 Saban versus Mullen, yeah, I know who my money's on in that one. Who? So, the, 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 what? Saban. I mean, Mullen's a pretty good developer Dan of talent.
2: Mullen. He's a pretty good developer of talent.
0: Yeah, so is Nick Saban, but the problem is Nick Saban develops five. Dan Mullen develops three stars into five stars. Nick Saban develops five stars into NFL stars. I
2: thought you were going to go like seven stars or something. Nah, nah. Well yeah, done. All
0: right, Saban so owns Ga-
3: Mullen. Mullen's done Gators, a good share of his... Developing into NFL stars as well.
0: Oh, he has, that he team. has for sure. But imagine if he had, you know, if he had Nick Saban talent. My God, he'd be un- he'd be untouchable. But he
2: doesn't. So, do you believe Florida can go undefeated? Ole Miss on the road, yes. South, South Carolina they- at home,
0: at a And M. That's a hard game. At a And M's tough. LSU's tough. Georgia, tough. Kentucky, n- not a pushover. At Tennessee to finish the year, could be tough. Ooh,
2: Not not a traditional slot for Florida-Kentucky either.
0: I mean, that's normally a, like a week two, week three but game. Florida- They played on November Fl- 28th. Kentucky and Tennessee are usually done by September for Florida. Instead, of the last two games of the year. Yeah, you're um, right. It's usually so, yeah. right
3: when Tennessee's hitting their stride.
0: That's well, a good thing they don't play Arkansas last. I, I know, right? <laughs> I, I tell uh, you- they 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 could lose a couple but they could go undefeated on that that schedule. You're right. No, I I don't disagree
2: with what you're saying. Um at Tennessee on December 5th that could be tricky. Yeah. I think Florida's better and more talented than Tennessee. Tennessee got better as the year went along and it's just as likely to be 12 degrees in Knoxville on December 5th. As it is to be 45.
0: How cold would it be in Missouri that day? I oh, I, look out.
2: Like, I mean, you can't even go that cold on a thermometer. Frozen your tundra. thermometer doesn't go that low.
3: Paint chipping off the helmets.
2: The frozen tundra of Thoreau Field. <laughs> we'll be back. That's your college football fix. All right, if you've listened to this show for any any length of time at all, you know that I am fascinated by the business of sports. I, it's just a thing. I, I dig numbers. I love stadium sizes. I love contracts. I love endorsement deals. I'm just fascinated with that. Not like Darren Rovell sends stupid tweets fascinated, but like genuinely intrigued by the way it all works. And so... When you listen to this, don't think of this as a soccer story. Think of this as a business of sports story. Because I know some of you just check out completely when we talk soccer. The biggest story in the planet, on the planet, in terms of soccer right now, Mr. Haydad, is...
0: What's going to happen with Lionel Messi? That
2: is correct. Lionel Messi's father is his agent. I'm assuming it's Jorge, but we might call him George for this. Sure. We'll go with Jorge. J-O-R-G-E, Messi. That's probably Jorge. Yes. Um, Barcelona's president is Josep Maria Bartomeu. And those two guys met yesterday after Messi made the announcement, I guess it was last week, that he wanted out of Barca. And it was a shock, right? I mean, the, the entire soccer world was like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. There has been some discussion, and this is a kind of a cool twist, that there have already been, that, that Manchester City is already working on a deal for Messi, and they are working on a formula that would see him sign for the Premier League side, before ending his career with partner club New York City FC as part of Major League Soccer. But Barcelona, Barca if you prefer, doesn't want to let Messi go, and they think they have the legal standing to do so, although, man, it feels shady. So in 2017, Messi signed a contract that pays him $11 billion a year, Give or take. Give or or take a couple, but you're close. Yes. And the contract that he signs gives him the option at the end of every season to walk away and owe nothing. And so when this year's season ended, Messi said, I'm walking away and I owe you nothing. Nobody else owes you anything. But Barca is saying, not so fast, my friend. The deadline for you to walk away from the team is in June. Um, we've had this global pandemic thing that has kind of thrown normal timelines off. Neither side is giving. Barcelona saying you wanted to walk away, you had to do it by June 1st or June 30th, whatever the date was. And Messi says, no, it's after the season ends. And they say, no, it's June, when the season is supposed to end. So what do they want? Do they want Lionel Messi to walk away in the middle of the season? Or as the season was starting back up? So Lionel Messi's father, again representing him, met with uh, Bartomeu from Barca uh, for about two hours. Neither side came to a, a breakthrough. The Barca president stood by the line that Messi remains under contract Until 2021, and get this number, any club that wants to sign him would have to pay his 700 million euro release clause. It's a lot. That's almost, I don't even know what the exchange rate is between the euro and the uh, American dollar right now. But it's knocking on a billion dollars door. So, Messi's dad, Messi senior, continued to claim that the forward can leave for free.
0: $829 million. There you go. To get him for a year?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you could sign him for a longer-term deal, but he is 33. I mean, how, how long? There's a question. A couple years. Okay. So, Man City has him play in the Premier League for a year, maybe two, and then he plays, like, his... I'm not really all that good anymore, but I'm a big fancy name. Well, in New York, even at
0: 30, even at thirty-six, he'd be the probably the best player in MLS. I mean, he would be above those guys.
2: bunch of moments of tension.
0: Isn't this fast? I mean, there are a couple of
2: things that, that jumped out at me. Number one, the release clause is seven hundred million euros. That's valuable. What is his salary, by the way? Fifty million, give or take.
0: Something like that. Here's the other thing.
2: I was reading along.
0: Only twenty-six million a year.
3: This is gonna sound crazy. That is shockingly low to me.
0: But it's what is GBP? Is that the Spanish money? Mm, I don't know. Let's see here.
2: You doing a conversion of twenty six million GBP? I am. Would that be the Great Britain pound?
0: It, nah, I don't. I guess so. Yeah, it's it's thirty five million a year. Okay. In a, in dollars,
3: still Borky lower than you thought it would be. That's less than Chris Paul. <laughs>
2: <laughs> less than Cristiano Ronaldo. Anyway, yeah. Here's the other thing that jumped out to me. He didn't have a lawyer draw up papers and deliver them to Barcelona. He didn't call them and tell them himself. He used what is called in Spain a bureau fax. It's a fancy fax machine, but it is legally binding in Spain. It's a function of the Spanish Postal Service, and you use the bureau fax when you need, one, a record of the contents of what you sent, and two, proof of delivery. It's kind of like signature required or certified mail, but through a fax machine. I'd never heard of a bureau fax before. I love that Messi first told Barca via bureau fax last Tuesday. He was executing the clause he believes allowed uh, to him to leave for free. Wonder how this plays out. Is the date the date, or is the end of the season the date?
0: I don't know. Thing, all this those European soccer courts, man, they are just weird. There's another layer to this. I don't know if you mentioned. I don't think you mentioned it, but there is a there's a small chance that if Messi wins and he's able to get a free release, that the president of Barcelona can be found guilty of criminal charges of like neglecting his business or something and could go to prison. What? Yeah, saw that on saw that on Twitter today. It's like it's a very very arcane loophole but it, basically the Messi is considered so valuable in Spain that losing him would be like engaging in some sort of fraud.
2: Got a message on the C Spire text line it said, uh Latino here, just use phonetic pronunciations, don't embarrass us both. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> ah, ah. I like to at least to, to attempt to pronounce things the right way. Yeah. But here's the thing. Okay, so ESPN radio host, I think he's out of Chicago. George Sedano. It's spelled J-O-R-G-E. And I always thought it was Jorge, and then I heard him pronounce it George. Maybe he just decided to do that to uh, be regular I, 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 or more American. I, anyway, here we go. Here it is. Another soccer message on the ceasefire text line. Interesting local soccer stat: Matthew Thompson, who lives in Jackson, Mississippi, is making his MLS soccer refereeing debut tonight in New York for DC United against the Red Bulls. That's cool. First MLS referee or official from the state of Mississippi, for the record, he is not getting paid Messi
0: money. So this guy who writes, I don't know who he writes for, some European paper, but if he badly sells Messi, a, the the next president or season ticket holder could accuse him of mishandling assets. And that could mean a huge payment from his own pocket or even prison time. So I guess it's sort of like if you had a business... Let's say you had a business and you just decided, hey, one day we're going to launch all our products into space just for the hell of it. And your your shareholders could be like, well, you mishandled the assets and you could be facing some sort of – I guess that's sort of the same thing, which is incredible that we're talking about a human being in this in this uh, way.
2: You lost out on a player negotiation deal, and therefore, Brian Cashman, you are going to prison. <laughs> going to jail. Ge- he should go to C.L. jail for Sonny for Gray, right? Good luck in the Chicago penal
0: system. <laughs> Somebody, Sean I think, Payton, it was Barstool Sports, they said, how can we get this to apply to James Dolan?
2: <laughs> oh, goodness. Sean Payton, you are both head coach and general manager. You mishandled Alvin Kamara. 90 days in the clink for you. There's a, mm.
3: a certain head coach over in Houston that probably deserves a little jail time, but, you know.
2: <laughs> I got a text message that said Bjork would be in jail.
3: <laughs> he just needs a wow. chance to tell his side of the story.
2: Uh, we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Wednesday afternoon. In terms of what is on your television this evening, you got a bunch of baseball and two basketball games. Five thirty, so just tipping off Miami and Milwaukee, Miami leading that series, one game to none. And a game seven, eight o'clock on ESPN, Oklahoma City and Houston. What was it you said yesterday, Hey, Dad. the level of pettiness with Westbrook oh, yeah. and Chris Paul on the floor at the same time, or Harden and Chris Paul on the floor at the same time, off the charts?
0: I was saying Westbrook, but yes. Yes, it should be uh, be quite the uh, the affair of people who don't like each other and don't really like anybody else, I don't think.
2: Is Chris Paul known as a good guy or not so much? Not He's so much. He's the president of the Players Association.
0: Yeah, I mean he oh he's he's a he's a good you know player and he's a, a, a good teammate, I think. But uh he has some uh he, he's not well liked, I don't think. He might be there's a difference, you know. Would you rather be liked or respected? or to be feared or loved, Michael. Both. Can you get both, yeah. Hmm. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me.
2: Yeah. I don't think he's respected by Carlton
3: from <laughs> <Friends>.
0: <laughs> Probably not, no. I hate those um, commercials,
3: God. This is yeah. a big one, though, man. If you've been reluctant to watch the league, I certainly understand. I'm not going to tell you uh, that you're wrong. But if you are looking for something to consume on a Tuesday night when there's nothing else going on, this will be high-level, intense basketball. And the implications behind it are crazy. I think it was yesterday when I uh, laid out the fact that Houston gave Oklahoma City four First-round picks, four of them, to get Russell Westbrook. And they gave Chris Paul to Oklahoma City. And tonight, the year later, Oklahoma City might beat them in the first round in year one of a massive roster overhaul and rebuild. I mean, they've got some guys. uh, Gilgis Alexander's a good player. Adams is fun. I mean, just because he doesn't look like he belongs out there. He looks like he should be fighting amongst the Dothraki in Game of Thrones, but (laughs) it should be entertaining basketball. Last night was crazy, too. The end was nuts. Mike Conley missed a three at the buzzer. A low-scoring
2: game. And that's a series that's been full of high-scoring games. They've been both averaging like what what is it, one twenty or one thirty a game in the playoffs, and the final was
3: eighty to 80, 80 yeah, I don't 80, remember 78. It, it was like yeah. nineteen seventy eight basketball. And I mean, the defense was good. It was it was a high-level, like intensity-wise game. A lot of guys missed a lot of shots, though. Yeah, I heard somebody
2: describe it as. Almost like an NCAA tournament game. It's a good way to put it. It wasn't always great basketball, but the finishing was abs- uh, the finish was absolutely spectacular.
3: High level it, it, guys played hard; like you could kind of feel it through your TV that they were giving it everything, and they just missed shots because that's what happens in college basketball. A lot of people miss shots.
2: Yeah. Hey, Dad. Any news coming out of Mississippi State? in terms of how practice is going, what Mike Leach likes and is seeing, yeah, how the receivers um, are looking,
0: if that's I, the I biggest heard, question mark, et cetera? I have heard the receivers are looking good, but I, I tend to buy into the, the idea that that might be more on MSU secondary more than anything else because I don't know how good those guys are. Um, when we talked to Leach this past Saturday, you know, he, he feels like, you know, they, they've gotten the installation down. They're, they're they're moving on into, you know, repetition and, and trying to master things, and I guess they'll start with game planning in the next, you know, week or so. Um, you know, he, he hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. We all know who that's going to be, though. <laughs> uh, he likes what he's seeing at receiver. Uh, he feels like the team's effort is good. He feels like, you know, they're not having to, to coach effort, which I, I think is always important. If, if you ever hear a coach talking about, you know, we're going to have to really motivate those guys to, to practice, uh, you just go ahead and chalk that team up to lose. Um by and large, you know, from what I've heard, the offense seems to be okay. You know, and I, I, that's not really that surprising with a senior quarterback who's done what Costello has and with Kylan Hill back there. You know, they'll find some guys to catch the passes. Defensively, it's still, you know, it's still a work in progress, and I feel maybe I'm being a little kind there. But, you know, they, they've got some some young, talented guys, but they they got a lot of young, inexperienced guys, too, the guys that are going to have to step up, especially back there in that secondary where, you know, Jamar Chase not playing is a big deal in this in this one game and just looking at it one game season, uh, because gosh, state, states just they're just weak in the secondary. You know, Emerson and Marcus Murphy are really the only two guys with a whole lot of experience back there. Uh, you know, CJ Morgan, I don't think is, is fully healthy yet, and so they're just having to find some pieces back there. You know, I expect the true freshman corners Emmanuel Forbes and Cameron uh, Richardson to play a lot. Uh, in, in the early going, they're they they're, they're going to have to because you just don't have you just don't have the guys back there right now.
2: I know this is something that we've talked about since the day Mike Leach was hired, maybe even since the day it was rumored that he was going to be hired, and that's the role of Kylan Hill, and th- that may be what I am most interested in seeing this fall at Mississippi State. You have a guy that is a bona fide running back. No, like no questions asked. I mean, we saw it today. Preseason second team All American, according to the Athletic, along with Najee Harris, mm-hmm. and they were behind what Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard. So we're, we're talking elite company, mm-hmm. and yet it's not an offense that features a power running game.
0: No, but he'll still he'll still touch the ball fifteen times plus a game. There'll just be a lot of catches. I, mean, I, I last year Max Borgie in this offense for Washington State caught eighty six passes. I, I you know I like yes, Max I Borgie. Yep. <laughs> He's your long lost guy. He, he looks a little bit like you, Borgie, Uh but that said, you know, I think Kylan Hill is a more talented running back. So, you know, I think Hill will get ten to twelve, maybe fifteen carries a game, and then he'll get, you know, four to five, six to seven catches sometimes. Just depends on how it all works out. But and it's sort of cliched, you know, the using the the short pass as a run, but if you watch the Mike Leach offense, there's a lot of that out there, just quick throws to the running back right out, of, right off the snap that are just as good as a sweep in a lot of times. So uh, he'll, he'll still get plenty of touches. I'm not worried about him not being enough part of the offense. It is funny, though, and people keep asking, what about the, the other running backs? Well, no offense, but who cares? The, the second-string running back last year at, at Washington State touched the ball, I think, 25 times. So, I mean... There is no running back rotation. There's going to be Kylan Hill, and then whoever the second guy is, probably Joquavius Marks, will be very, very limited in his touches. We were looking at offensive snaps
2: uh, for Washington State last year. We settled on they averaged about 75 a game over the last two or three years. I think that was roughly the number, 74, 75, somewhere in there. If Mississippi State averages that number, or even let's say four, let's just say they average 70 snaps per game offensively, how many of those snaps would you anticipate Kylan Hill being on the the field for, on average?
0: Sixty. You think it's that big? Yeah, I mean he'll be lined the, the up prim- primarily
2: in the backfield, or you think they yeah. move him around all over? The oh place? no, he'll
0: be he'll be they'll move him around some, but he'll be primarily just sitting next to Costello there in the backfield. I mean, so so you may- don't
2: think it'll look like it did at times with Clyde Edwards Hilaire a year ago for LSU, where you look no, up I, and he's no. like four yards from the sideline.
0: They might have some situations like that, but for the most part, I think he'll just be back there in the backfield. But not. In, but what's funny is, throughout the years, his, his his pass blocking, which isn't great, he's not a great pass blocker. He he does not that he doesn't put effort into it. He's just not really good at it. But who cares? Now he'll be in the pattern every time. Yeah. So I, he's going to be on the field a lot. I just I just don't see a lot a lot of touches for Jaquavius Marks, Dylan Johnson, Lee Witherspoon, Kareem Walker in that group. Do you think it's
2: in terms of pass routes? Almost exclusively swing routes as a safety valve? Or is it stuff where he releases into the line and tries to get behind the linebackers almost like you would with a tight end?
0: There'll be a lot of check down, obviously, because, you know, they'd like to get guys out into space. And when they run verticals, you know, the, if they can get Kylan Hill, if you can get the safeties moving back and you get Kylan Hill the ball in space, that's a good thing. But he'll have routes too. He'll run some out patterns, so some slants, some, uh, some angle patterns out of the backfield, stuff like that. So, yeah. It's not going to be just a one-trick pony, I don't think. They'll do everything they can. That's their best player offensively. They'll do everything they can to get the ball into his hands.
2: Do you think the screen game will be
0: a significant yes. part of that? Oh, yeah, big time. Big time part of that. Not just not just running backs, too. There'll be a lot of wide receiver screens, too. The, Keep the, the name Tulu Griffin in mind for those. The old bubble screen? Yeah. Yeah.
2: When those work, they work really well. And when they don't, they look like they get blowed off. Dumbest play call I've ever seen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sports talk, Mississippi streaming.